welcome back. This is Motherhood, Money, and Mental Health, and we are excited once again to be doing another episode of something that we really enjoy. Yes, welcome, welcome back again. This is episode two of Motherhood, Money, and Mental Health. My name is Sammy Joseph Fredericks. And I am Wadi Kolenki. Yeah, I can't believe it. Two weeks has already passed since we did the first episode, Wadi, and the feedback that we've been getting has just been so amazing. So supportive. Thank you guys for all your listens, all your shares, all your comments, all your um, input. It was really, I mean, we really, really enjoyed it. Just keep the feedback coming because we want to make this great. It is for you guys. It is for us all to learn. And so we want to make sure that we are doing something that, you know, you guys are going to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. and this has really, I mean, with all the other things that we have on our plates, this is, you know, just the feedback and seeing the, the response that we've gotten so far has really pushed us to make time to get on the second, um, get on, get together and record the second episode. Um, so we just want to say thank you. Um, today, we are going to be talking about motherhood. And things, yep, some of the things that we'll talk about is, you know, what does it mean to each of us? Uh, There's the textbook definition of uh, motherhood, but what it means to us as individuals, you know, in our own situations um, are things that we're going to talk about today. We'll also talk about some of the things that we have learned since becoming moms. (laughs) That should be interesting because there's so many things I believe that people don't tell us. you know, before you become a mom. There are certain things that we will not talk to people about because they're not moms for so many different reasons. And then people, you know, you carry a child for nine months and you experience a lot of things there. And then uh, you have a baby and boom, all of a sudden the reality hits. Yep. Um, So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, what it means to be a mom in an African community, especially uh, here to in a different culture in a different society in a different country we'll talk a little bit about that and we will go back and talk about some of the things that we learned from our moms and those things that we want to pass on to our children and things that we are definitely not going to pass on so here we go here we go but before we get started i want to push put something in real quick so last episode, we went through all of who we are and what we do and what we don't do. And uh, we missed something important. I think it's very important. So I'm going to give Sammy a quick second to talk a little bit about her uh, path as an author. Oh, yeah. I can't, you know, it's so funny that I can't, I'm still getting used to that title. I can't believe that we forgot that the last time. Bestseller on the map. but um you know uh you have and it ties back into being a mom right you have all of these experiences you go through a lot of things and you learn from them right you have children and you look at them and my in my situation i looked at luke and i was like there was some mistakes that i made with money and and some of the things that i had to go through because of those mistakes i were not fun so I looked at my son and I was like, you know what? I do not want him to have to go through some of the same things that I did. And so I started teaching him about money. Uh, it started very early on. Um, 
when he was about three and a half years old. We started with counting money um, and all of that. And so, you know, and I love storytelling and we read a lot of books as well. And so I told him, you know, I mean, I was sitting down making up this story about this kid named Luke and blah, blah, blah. And he would always say that's his story. And then Winston, my husband, looked at me one day and was like, why don't you put it, put this in a book? And so I did. And so there, um, so I wrote a series of books called Luke and Dee Dee's Money Adventures. And what it is, is it's teaching children uh, money lessons, um, like saving, spending, sharing, investing, and earning. Um, and, and there are eight books in the series. And the first book, Luke's uh, Grandma's Special Gift, was released in August of last year. And so it's out there. So that's pretty much my journey in a nutshell. Look forward to the second book. Yes, that is coming out soon. Spending at the fair will be out in a few months here. So stay tuned. Thank you for remembering that, Wadi. Ah, you no, know, I cannot forget that. I have a copy right here looking at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yes, yes, I'm I do. Supporter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get started. What does it mean to be a mom, a mother? Well, I will start with just a quick, you know, I, I did all kinds of um, different reading and research because that's who I am. Um, but the one dictionary meaning I kept going over and over was the state of being a mother. What does that really mean? Mm. It's the state of being a, a mother. Well, for me, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and I, maybe I'm overthinking stuff, but for me, it's a spiritual experience, right? Um, it's not it's non-material and it's not something tangible. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally feel that um, babies, for me, are sort of like a brand new soul that you're given by, you know, your creator, God. For me, I say God. For creator, it could be whoever you choose to call your creator, right? But um, it's a brand new soul you're giving. And of course, they come with their own manufacturer additives. You know, you've got skin color, you've got um, personality traits, um, you know, different health concerns. Um, you know, different, you know, just different things. They come with their own little manufacturer additives. But then um, with this brand new soul, you get to teach them and take them through a path, through this journey we call life. You get to add things to that soul. You get to add, you know, morals and values. Um, you get to teach them how to protect themselves, how to live, how to talk, mm -hmm. how, to, how to be in this life, you know. Um, and I just feel like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gift. It's an important gift and not everybody is fortunate to have this gift, but it is a gift that I don't take lightly. And it is something that I am, I'm very intentional about. I'm always thinking about what I'm saying, how I'm talking, how I'm disciplining. Um, just making sure that I'm able to put out this, um, person in the world that will, um, you know, be somebody that everybody else will want to be around and want to, and, and will enjoy being in their presence. So. I mean, it's it's a to me it's just more of a spiritual journey where you are creating or helping to create a a person yeah um, that will kind of be put out into the world so yeah no i totally i thought yeah i totally agree it is a spiritual it's a spiritual thing in every aspect but for me one word that that stood out as i looked into uh this um this question is it's an opportunity um, I feel like it's an opportunity given to us by God, right? It's an opportunity to love and to experience a different kind of love, right? A love so intense that, I mean, this is nothing that you had ever felt before, right? 
So this is his uh, an opportunity for us to experience that kind of intense love, to give it, to 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 accept it, to receive it. Because sometimes we're able to give love, but when it comes to receiving it, it's so hard. And to me, kids make it so easy to 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 receive that love. Right? They uh, they give it without any strings attached, with none attached. Right? Um, it's an opportunity to learn, and, and for me, learning. Um, what is true? What it truly means to love another person, like I said, learning who you are, learning to become a leader, to become a teacher, to become a guide. I can tell you that before I had my son, if anybody told me I could, you know, teach a child to read, I mean, yeah, I could probably do that. But there are certain things like life lessons and and, and all of those things to be responsible to guide a whole human being in a path, right? That to me, that's an opportunity to 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 step up in that position to lead, to teach, and to guide. There's also an opportunity that we're given to nurture, not only their physical, the physical aspect of a child, but spiritual, right? Emotion. I mean, all of those things to help nurture them. And as you go along and be a teacher and be a guide and be the nurturer, you are learning a, a lot about yourself, a lot about who you are, a lot about what your your limits are what 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 your abilities are right you're learning all of these things as you you are a mother and you take care of another person you it's an opportunity to care for to provide for like you said to instill values to protect as much as we can oh man that mama bear um <laughs> instinct it kick it power mode. <laughs> <laughs> i know right oh yeah um another person and this is some not just another person but somebody who is not able to do it themselves and so they're yes. depending on you so you can't say i'm not doing this today right they need you and they need they can't do it themselves so this is um for me this is what it means to me it's you know experiencing that love the opportunity to experience all of these things and to learn from each experience such an incredible thing to watch the mm-hmm. baby go from a being completely dependent on you to, you know, kind of being able to, but still need your guide. And then, okay, now I'm doing it a little bit. So now you're just sitting back and watching and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and guiding from a distance until yeah. I guess adulthood when we get there, right? Yeah. And you can actually just sit back and watch them be um, what it is. And, and in the process, like you said, I really like the part about learning from them. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean- They are our teachers. You know, um, I don't know. I've learned so much, but we'll get to that point from my own daughter. Um, so throughout this journey, so it is, you know, it's an incredible journey. It's an incredible opportunity, as you say. It's an mm-hmm. incredible spiritual experience. Yes. So, what have we learned since becoming moms? <laughs> Do we have time? Hmm. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're not even going to front. What? Yes. For me, number one, it is a lot of work. It is. It is a lot of work. You know, when you're when you're pregnant, people are saying things like, "Oh, it's such a great experience," and you know, it's just (laughs) beautiful. And they just tell you all these beautiful things, but then when you get into it, and you're not sleeping, and you're not eating, and you're anxious, and you're not thinking straight, and you know, you're becoming agitated for no reason, and you know. It's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, it's and it, right. yeah. I like the way you start from it starts from the time that you get pregnant. 
Yes. It starts then because there are some people that will have a smooth pregnancy. They go through, they don't even throw up. They don't do any of these things to people that will throw up for straight nine months. Yeah. I have, I knew somebody who threw up the entire nine months, had to take off from work, uh, had a temporary disability because she was pregnant and having these uh complications right so uh there are people that can you can end up being on bed rest the entire time right so it starts from the time you get you get you find out that you're pregnant like i had um i was so excited and when we got we finally got pregnant i had a miscarriage after the uh with the first pregnancy i had a a miscarriage at um almost four months and that devastated me. I mean, I, for some reason, I heard about people having miscarriages before, but I never thought that that could have been my reality. And that was hard. And so the entire, so the entire, right, we got uh, pregnant again shortly after that. But the entire time I was pregnant with Luke, I was so worried because every time that baby didn't move, I was like, oh my God, you know, something not happening, you know? So you start worrying uh. from the minute you get <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> straight on yeah. there, I know what I would stop worrying Oh, yeah. Somebody says that um, having a baby is like having your heart outside of your body. Mm. But then you're always, you know, having to protect it. But yeah, no, seriously, it is a lot of work. One of the things um, that I learned about myself in this process is patience. Mm-hmm. Patience. I don't know. I had, and I still am learning it. Because yeah, I, I was about to say, I'm yet. still working on that. <laughs> I'm learning on it. But, you know, it teaches you a lot of patience, a lot of tolerance. Not only patience with the child, but patience with yourself. Yeah. Patience with other people. Other people. Yeah. yeah, because of your child, in my experience, you know, I have always kind of been sort of introverted and sometimes I can isolate. And so, you know, I could live my whole life in my apartment, going to work and just coming home and maybe going to church, and you know. Mm-hmm. But with my child, you have to find social interactions. She got to, and, and she used to be one of those kids in the, in the on the playground. Well, I would have to give her a warning, Abigail. We're going today to the playground. I don't want no friends. Don't bring anybody to me. <laughs> It'd be this little, Mom, this is my friend. Can we have a play date? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, patience with myself, patience with her, patience with other people, getting to know new characters, um, trying to just navigate certain situations with patience. Yeah. That was one of my biggest um, things I learned as being a mother. And, um, and- yeah, for me, one thing was that um, it hits, you know, that that I was truly responsible in every way for another person, right? I had Luke in, you know, uh, when I think it was after like two days or something, it's time for you to leave the hospital. I never, I, I used to have people, kids around me all the time, but they'll have these tiny, this tiny little baby that I'm going to be responsible to give a bath and do all these things and I didn't have the kind of support that a lot of other people had like you know moms coming over to bathe the baby for you blah 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 help you I didn't have any of that stuff and the woman was carrying me outside she said okay time to go I started crying I was like uh-huh. I was like what am I supposed to do with it baby because you're in a hospital and people can't do everything for you just there laying out yeah. chilling whatever man I said I started crying she said, you would be fine. You would be fine. Winston had gone to get the car and they, you know, he came around. He was like, why are you crying? You know, I said, I don't know how to take care of this baby. I don't know what to do. I was so scared, but you are truly responsible for that person, providing that love, the care, the feeding, the teaching, the everything. 
I did not realize when people, you know, when people took their babies home, I mean, I know the baby didn't there. I was not naive, but to truly have to experience that now was just a rude awakening for me. You know, I can definitely identify with that. Let me tell you my experience. When I had my daughter the first day, it was about a day and a half later, the nurses came, did all the checks, and they said, well, everything seems to be normal. You can go. Now imagine, so I asked, right away, I asked the lady, I said, well, I thought people stayed in the hospital for three days. <laughs> and he said, well, not necessarily. If you're done, you can go. So I was like, well, is it like, can I do I have to go or can I request to stay? And the lady was like, that's strange. You can request to stay. But my, my experience, I mean, I was a single parent, so I was mm-hmm. going to a household all by myself. Huh. Super scared. So the first thing I said, well, the insurance will pay for this, so I'm staying an extra day. <laughs> so I ended up saying, I stayed for an extra day in the hospital because of the fear of coming home and not knowing what to do. Because like you said, the nurses, they were, they were there. They were like, oh, we can do this. We do this. We, you know, we're taking the baby. We're changing her. We're, you know. And when I remember, we realized I was coming home alone with this human. Yeah. Um, it was just a scary experience for me. Okay. And uh, I guess another thing, too, that I learned is that... Uh, uh, you can't be selfish. You can't be selfish again. Your life is no longer your own, right? That you were talking about how you used to come home from church before you had Abby, just go to your house, do whatever. Uh, you don't want cook, say you don't have to cook, <laughs> right? That? Last night I called you, I was like, can you hop on a call? Now you're like, oh, no, I fixed the Abigail's dinner. Mom, yeah. <laughs> your life is not your own. I mean, you can't just get up, like, you got to run to the supermarket to buy something. You have to pack up that child with you, especially if you don't have somebody, you know, that would take care of, um, to leave the child with, right? Um, and me and when someone do anything, we got to bring Luke with us. Everything, you know, when people say they're inviting you somewhere and kids now allow, oh, well, okay, well, you know, either yes, if we really want to come to it, we'll find somebody to, to watch Luke or we just do not attend. Um, they take over everything. They're in your room. They're in your business. You can't even go to the bathroom. <laughs> you can't go to the bathroom by it's yourself. True. I mean, this kid is in the bathroom. It's like he doesn't, if you, you know, I mean, dude, can I get up? Go to your park. Go. No, he won't be on me. Every, oh, yeah. So, I mean, your body. Yeah. Oh, my God. In yeah. my house, we have a saying, I mean, let me pee in peace. I know. <laughs> I would go to the bathroom and she's right there. Mom, like, can, can I just get two seconds, please? Uh, two seconds. Go. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he you know, like, you're too mean. I'm like, yeah, go uh, <laughs> Oh, man. One thing I learned um, about being um, a mom that I, I want to add is I've, I learned now to ask for help when I need it. Yes. Before, it was always just me. I can do whatever I want to. If I didn't have anything, I could just relax on my couch and chill. Nobody has to know my stuff. But now it's like, nope, if I need help, I, I have, I mean, you have to put your pride down sometimes and say, okay, yeah. I need help with this. I need, yeah. you know, I need somebody to come in and do this for me. So that's one thing I have learned, you know, for my daughter, for her comfort. I gotta ask for help when I need it. One thing, you know, because I nursed, um, I nursed Luke from the time he was born up until he was like three and a half. And I won't hear no backlash, please. He was too old, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> you know what people... Well, until he was three and a half, right? I knew that before I even had a child that I was going to breastfeed my child. 
we come from a culture, a society, a country where everywhere you turn, you see the woman with their babies breastfeeding, you know. A uh, woman got her baby on her back and the baby, you know, <laughs> breastfeeding. Breastfeeding I mean, on the armpit. <laughs> I mean, I was like, this has got to be the easiest thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh yeah, I will breastfeed my child. From the minute, I mean, that thing is hard. I don't know why people don't talk about this thing. Nursing is hard. From the minute that baby lashed on for the first time, almost threw him down. That thing was so painful. Painful, yes. Painful, and then just nursing the whole time. Even though I was, I mean, I was, one time when a pediatrician, the guy was like, you know, Luke was like two or two and a half. And I said, wow, you really stuck with it. I said, I stuck with it, but it was not easy. And these are things that we don't talk about. It is hard. It is good for the baby. Not everybody can nurse, but I was able to, but man, that thing was hard, especially after going back to work. Every every two hours or whatever, you got to go in the lactation room with your pump. If I hear another breast pump, I don't know what I would do. What? <laughs> that experience was not easy. That was it something is, that it I is did not What? Uh-uh. No. I just no, did I it. I don't... One year. Mm -mm. Yeah. I was done. At one year old, I don't know, I just got up at that on that birthday, which was probably a traumatic experience for her, but I was like, all right, <laughs> breast is done. Pacifier is done. Like, <laughs> I just do all this Mom. stuff. Hey, go you stop at that time. Come on again. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, but she already had teeth that she already started to little by little. So I was like, one day she just did that. I was like, no, that's it. One year old, it was done. I couldn't um, go yeah. further, but it was just me. And, you know, I'm, I commend you for that because that's it a lot a of lot dedication. Of Man. Man, it was a lot of work. So being a mother and a mother in the African community, you ready to move on to that? Yes, I am. I mean... Being a mother in the African community, for me, it means a lot of different types of support. Yeah. Um, so yep. the first kind of support I would say is like cultural support. You know, um, we are in a different society. We are Liberians um, uh, and we are living in the United States. So obviously when our children go to daycare or to school, they'll learn a lot of the American cultural stuff. But being in our own community, in our culture, it teaches them, you know, a little bit about who we are our values, how we are, how we, you know, how we dress, what we sound like, how we speak. And so just being a mother in that community kind of teaches our children how to be able to um, to be bicultural, to live in the U.S. and also to be able to adapt to mm -hmm. or be here, to understand where we are, where we come from and why we do what we do. Um, one of the other things that I really got support in during that time, you know, um, as a single parent was, um, Childcare, you know, um, I spent about, I don't know, I think I hear the prices have gone up now, but I, I spent $10 a day, <laughs> $10 a day from, um, you know, we have our community grandmas, you know, um, older women from Liberia that are here, they're not working. Some don't, um, they don't speak English or don't have the right. education to work. Um, so they watch people's children. And, and um, for me, that was helpful to find one that was caring, nurturing, and be able, you know, to be able to help me in. I paid 10 bucks a day. Um, I don't know, I, uh, I, as I was looking through just um, the Star, Star Tribune and, you know, other places and looking at prices of what it costs to, just for childcare, I'm looking at like in-center places, $342 a week for an infant. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes all the way up to $208 a week for childcare. And, and if you have a family, it can be, 
uh, a family child care, child care practice, you can spend like 189 a week up to 150 and it goes on and on. And I don't know, I mean, it was a blessing to just spend 50 bucks a week while I was able to work and do other things. Of course, um, we'll get into that another time, I guess, right? Where we um, actually decided to, to not, I decided not to work um, because of my own, I guess, overprotective fears. And we'll get into that when we come to the cons. Um, there's also like, um, you can count on your, I mean, in our society, like I said, we are African um, collective society where everybody is aunties and uncles. Mm-hmm. And so you can always count on your aunties and uncles to sort of be there as a support when you need some things. Um, financially, they were very supportive. It was very supportive. In our circle, we have something called a susu, right? Where it's kind of like a money lending circle where we can all just collect money and then ask, you know, everybody puts in every month and then at that month one person gets to use the money and it goes on and on um there was also a time let's say for example you and your husband you guys would um lend money out to the community for far less mm-hmm. than what we would do if we went to a bank so you know just being a part of that society too was something that if i got into a, a financial situation i can come to you and your husband and say hey can you lend me this loan me this amount of money and then yeah. I would pay with a very small interest. So that was, you know, very, very, very helpful during that time. Um, yeah, I I, I, I understand. Um, yeah, truly uh, the part about support, you know, is so true when people say it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and, and we see that a lot in the uh, African community. You know, like you say, people got their families here and, you know, you're able to start off child care slowly right instead of taking your your new baby and just dumping into people that you don't know you can you can gradually you know you can uh, gradually you know get to that point by like okay they will go to this grandma here first until you get you know accustomed to to having your child away from you you know that was somebody that you could trust um yeah with us we we were so lucky to have like winston's on here um who was here, even though they were moving to North Carolina, but she took Luke for the first, you know, when he was he was three months old and I had to go back to work. She took him for a little bit before they moved. And then we met um, uh, this minister. She was actually Sierra Leonean, uh, Minister uh, Linda. And we're still in touch with her today. That woman was amazing. Right in her home, she took care of um, two or three kids and Luke was the youngest and she and her family just spoiled that boy I swear and 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 she decided that you know this is a woman educated was about you know she had her degree she taught them in her house so I like that Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she decided that she was ready to go back to work she wanted to go back to corporate America I almost made power with that woman I cried I was like why like why do you want to do that you know and she she but that was a decision that she needed to make for herself and I respected that and so that was when I think he was about a little over a year old when we transitioned to like a center a daycare center right mm-hmm. by our home where we lived and they were just amazing and even one of the ladies now the very first woman that took Luke and Luke was in her, her room and all of that um, we're friends on Facebook now and I, I just love that center you know and so but it was good to be able to transition to that point because to just be able to three months after three months at home my son just leaving with people that I don't know that exactly. would have been hard that would have been really really hard so to have that support in the African community was great but on the flip side of that when you're dealing with Liberian Omani <laughs> they won't tell you everything about how to raise your child yep that's number one on my list here 
<laughs> it will want to tell you everything and some of those things are good things you know mm-hmm. because they have experience and all of that but some of them again especially the part about not picking up a child when they're crying you know so <laughs> they're like no, no that you will make him you will spoil him when you hold him a lot or you you will spoil him when you pick him up as soon as he cries you know i don't believe that children just jump up and cry especially babies cry for no reason for attention blah 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 they have a need and we need to try to figure that out but i know there were few times it'll be like oh let him lay down there and cry or you need to stop breastfeeding that boy you know or mm. you know you need to feed him x y and z versus whatever you're feeding him and you know just jump in there with their opinions and their suggestions some of them you take and some you just be like nope respectfully low that's not how i want to <laughs> my child please let me raise my child the way i want to raise my child yeah that is number one on my list here man just having respect for your parenting style you know oh. it, it, some of us that have been here i've been here since i was 11 years old and so there are some things that i you know i value in terms of how the americans raise their children you know how for example i don't feel like in every every situation i should lash out by hitting the child right away and i'm not saying that's what happens in our culture but i'm just saying that just sometimes i choose to talk and So mm-hmm. then I would hear people tell me things like, "Oh, you're too American." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well that's great. Let me be American, but this is my parenting style. This is how I choose to do it. But that was one one challenge for me, you know, when I want to do something a certain way and then I said, "Ah, oh, she's too American or she's being this way." Or... So that was one of my um biggest issue, you know. Um mm-hmm. and even when I talk about this child care providing thing, you know, um there are sometimes too where you will take your kid to a, a, a child care provider number one there's two things you know some of them um and thank goodness thankfully mine was um i think Abby was the only child for a long time mm-hmm. um but then later on you know the, the lady started adding but some of them you will go you go to the, the to the families and you'll see one lady taking on so many children yeah yep and, and i wonder and there's babies as well And I know they don't have time to just, you know, dedicate to the yeah, world. So yeah. they're just taking care of their basic needs, um, you know, giving them food and and changing their clothes and then having them stay in a warm home. But in terms of actually interacting with them, um, they just kind of, and then sometimes they're in apartments. So the apartments can kind of be, like I said, overcrowded or sometimes they, they, the, the older lady doesn't have the strength or energy to be able to take the kids out to the playground. Yeah, so they're stuck inside them. all day. Yeah, so they're inside watching TV, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so it, it is a, it can be a, a con. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me see. And then also just the language and speaking to them because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, some of these older women, they don't always speak English and they don't speak it properly so then our children don't get to learn how to properly speak English especially if you're spending eight to nine hours and in some cases of our some of our families they work double shifts right yeah so, so they're what there is that? All... 16 hours a day and mm-hmm. so these children are in these women's cares for 16 hours a day learning um sometimes to speak a different Liberian dialect which is not bad but um not learning how to speak English so that when they start school they don't know how and they're not on the same um I guess uh, a developmental pace as their peers, you know, right? Not, right. This with like scissors, with like you know mm-hmm. books and those kind of things that will help their development. So when they start school, some of our children are actually behind as a result of being in these. Um, yeah. Uh, 
care provider with these care providers. Yeah, and I think I think you know, like you say, sometimes um, some people have no choice, right? Yeah. Especially financially, but to put their kids in these uh, with these Liberian um, women. But I think one thing I would suggest I can help too is that if this is your situation and you have absolutely no choice but to keep your children in those situations, just teach them at home. You know, when you come home, you have to make that sacrifice and take the time to read to them, to help them learn certain things. And and, and so that way they're not behind when they start kindergarten or, you know, formal schooling. And this is true, too, for everybody. I mean, I even think the ones that have their, 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 are able to afford to take their children to the centers, the centers won't teach you everything. Right, right. They will teach you whatever their curriculum is, but you have to take that extra step. Yep. That time into saying, okay, like, for example, um, and this is not to like downplay any one center, but let's just use um, New Horizons, for example. You know, yeah. they're not going to have cultural specific books in those centers all the mm-hmm. time for our kids to learn. So we have to be the one to go out and seek out have to. You know, books and information about our own culture, about the people, about people that look like us. So yes. our children can be able to see that. So I agree. It is, you know, it's up to us as parents to be able to collaborate with wherever system that our children are in to be able to teach them what to be who we want them to be yep so what did on mm -hmm. what did we learn from our mothers that um growing up you know we were talking earlier before we hit the record button on this and i was um i'll just jump in here to say that um you know growing up in my first far as I can remember, right? Um, I really don't remember a situation. And I don't know if this was, you know, something that just happened in my house or it happened in other families where my parents sat me down and said, you know what? We're going to teach you about this life. And this is, you know, what you're supposed to do. This is how you go through challenges. This is what you do when you're facing issues. This is what you do to, you know, you know, just to make it a point or sit us down and teach us certain things. I don't remember that happening in my family. Uh, my mom and my dad would tell us, you got, you better study, you know, study your lesson so that you can, I don't even know they even told me why I should study my lesson just so we can pass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> study your lesson, go to school. The only thing you have to do is study your lesson. You don't have anything. Get a good job. Get up. No, get good grades. It didn't even went beyond that. Right. For us, for me, as far as I can remember. And, and so what I learned from my mom or from the women in my family, like my aunt and stuff like that, my grandmother, is not what so much they sat us down and intentionally intentionally taught us, but what they did, you know, I learned from the way they did things, from their actions, from what they did. My mom was a hard working woman. She always worked. She carried our families. She made sure that we got into private schools and we stayed there. It's not like we were rich, we were not rich by any means by any means where we reach rich right but my mom worked hard you know even more than my dad I would say my mom carried our family financially in every way you know so I learned from her that 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 ethic of hard work you know and I learned that you in order to get what you want that you can get anything that you want it doesn't matter what your current situation is you can get anything that you want if you work hard I saw her do that that was the example that I had that, that and that's that's what I learned from. And my aunt, you know, the same thing. She 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 
got you know my mom was didn't even get a college degree she started college and then she she dropped out but she was still able to care our family uh but my aunt who got a college degree you know so she taught me there that to strive you can strive for for whatever you want get your education she was she had a high position at 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 her job you know and all that kind of stuff so i learned from her that way she enjoyed her life she she was the one my mom was the serious one and my aunt aunt betsy was the one who even though she worked hard she played hard she and her friends her girlfriends they partied like there was no tomorrow she enjoyed uh, her, right uh, and so I, these are the things that i learned from these women and from my grandmother you know that she was so grounded she was so rooted in her christianity in her spirituality she and her god business you know so i learned that you know some of the things you know were in bethel and i was involved in the women's ministry and then i was involved in the praise and worship ministry and just some of the things that i did in the church are things that i saw my mom and my grandma and my auntie do in church my mom was always like the women's ministry president and my grandma when i would sit down in church and worship we used to be embarrassed to sit by her because she would start speaking in tongues and we'd be like oh god they woman coming in so we didn't want to sit by her in church but we learned these things even though they don't tell you sit you down and say this is what you're supposed to do because they did it and because we're there to see it you know so this is how i this is what i learned you know, my situation was a little bit different you know a little bit um So my parents had me when they were pretty young. My mother was uh, 15 at the time I was born. So because of that, you know, my father raised me from three months old onward because they weren't married, and well, his family. And then he left and came to the United States at the time I was two years old. So from two onward, I lived with my aunts, two aunts, his sisters, and his mother. And so like in that family, they had a you know an interesting dynamic. My aunt, one of them, she was more. She didn't work. She was a school teacher, but then she was kind of laid off, and then she just chose to stay home and sort of be the home taker. So, in she was more like the um, nurturer. I would say she kind of read us books, nursery rhymes. I used to enjoy her African stories. Every day she was telling us some kind of new spider story, you know. Mm. And up to now, I can't remember any of them, and I and, I, and it seems like the, the tradition is getting lost, you know. Yeah. But th- those were something that I used to enjoy because in those stories they always have morals, and the moral of the story was, you yeah. know, what could you learn from this? So, like from her, I learned like the morals, the African morals, you know, um, the things that they taught were lessons and everything. Lessons. Yeah, yeah. Then, but my other aunt, she was more like um, she was the academic one. I mean, she set records in the U.S. For example, she was the first Black African female to graduate from Hood College with a master's degree in. Um, what was it public administration so that was i mean that, that's a heavy title right coming with that kind of record she set academically here in the US and then moving back to Africa when i was 2 years old um and then you know kind of being like a you know an academic person back home having a good job i mean a, a, a you know high position at her job and currently she is the dean for the um uh what is it the public administration department at the university in Liberia Right. So you know, always on that level. So they had different roles, and this one taught me, like you know, work hard. You know, always thrive at school. You know, even this previous degree was her saying, "You gotta get that degree." You know, mm-hmm. um, she was the one that taught us structure, chores. Um, you know, and one of her important, one of her lessons she taught me in that is, you know, is always there with me now up until this day. And we were just talking about it when I was back home in Liberia. She will always give us for Christmas money. Say we're gonna go shopping, 
And so when we get shop, go downtown to shop or whatever, she will see somebody sitting on the side of the road. And she always give us this money in um, like dollars. Mm-hmm. So she'll say, that guy sitting over there, homeless, why don't you give him this amount? And then I will, you know, oh, wait, wow. it's only $10 and I have to share my $10 yeah. with this man. No. Then she'll be like, no, get a man $10. Then we'll walk down another place. Again. You can see that one lady over there. She's begging. Give her. Oh man! By the time we're done, she has made us. She she made her give us give away more than half of your money, you know. And I was like, what? You know. But anyway, every time she did that, at the end, when she saw that you were giving freer, more and more freely, she gave you more. She will give you more. Oh yeah. Every time, you know. So it was just that part. I think it was something that I learned about her. You know, learn from her to just kind of give away when you have and to you know, just charity. I think was important to her. And even till now, till today, my aunt, she lives this life where um, there's so many people around her all the time, whom, you know, and she she didn't have any biological children, oh. but she has so many children. I mean, we when I went back home in December, it was to celebrate her birthday and to like, you know, tell her thank you. And the kids that have gone through her house, the amount of people, grandkids, I think we gotta be close to 50. Yeah. And so I count myself as the first child, you know, because I was her first one that she had, but you know, I learned those things from her, you know. Um, my grandmother was mainly um, sick during that time, so um, we did a lot of, you know, caring for her in that time. But um, from those two women, you know, I learned values and morals from one, and I learned, you know, just how to work hard and how to, um, to give. how to give when I can. Um, yeah. You know, that, you know, disciplines, how to, um, I don't know, they just, they just had two different personalities. So, I, you know, depending on, who I was with for the day, there was just a different lesson that was being taught. Yeah. When you talk about giving, you know, I talk, I talk about church, but we were encouraged, and I'm doing the quotes, encouraged with the look, and maybe if you don't put that money in that plate, that's how we were encouraged to give. So all of our giving was like, you have to give to church first, of course. <laughs> like what child won't take that $1 when they can go buy candy or something to we put it in church, you know? I didn't understand the concept. I didn't understand the whole thing about fighting. They didn't explain that. It's just that you have to give to the church. So that was instilled in me from a very, very long time ago. So what are some of the things that, of all the things that we learned, that we, uh, yeah, (laughs) we would not pass on? Mm. (laughs) Let me start. (laughs) Teaching styles. Let's start there. You know, so like, I remember sitting around the table and having to do homework. And we just, you know, we have a family chat now. We always kind of make fun of, poke fun of these, all of these things. But learning, I mean, it was it was scary to start. Like, every time when it was homework time, everybody was scared. Everybody how was beating because, you know, if you start making errors, it meant a whipping. <laughs> yep. With a switch on the table. The switch Why on the table. So you just, you're afraid yeah. to make mistakes. You're afraid. You're afraid to be wrong. Because then you know what it meant, you know, it would be a scream or a whip, you know. Um, that was something that for sure, for sure, I do not want to pass on. I mean, honestly speaking, and without a whip, but initially when I started teaching my daughter, I found myself becoming more like an emotional teacher. You know, you, you don't know this thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, but it was, it was, a, it's a process and it's, it's coming out still and I'm doing much, much, much better with it. But that's something I fight against every time. Like, no, she has learning how to be more of a supportive thing and not so much of something that she's doing out of fear. And for and that's and, one. 
Yeah, for me, let me do my one. Um, you talk about that, that we had the switch on the table when it was time to do homework. I mean, you know, they, my parents did not make it easier to learn if you if you didn't. You know, let me tell you, one time me and Amber, I mean, my mom would go through our notes, go through our bag to see if we had homework. And me and my sister Amber used to play school. And one time we took my brother who was like in a higher grade than all of us, we took his books and we started writing notes from his book and all that stuff. And my mom saw that stuff and said that was our work. So we had to learn it. And she whipped us to learn my <laughs> I'm telling you. And so, and another thing yeah. and that come, what it, it, it also, we also used to have switch on the table when it was time to eat. Like, because we did not like to eat. And my grandmother, my mom, they were always like, you have to eat all your food. And we all know now, especially now that we've come, the, those things can have like emotional implications, right? What are you, you teaching a child that is telling you that they full and they don't want to eat anymore, even if they just took two bites, right? What are we teaching our children when we force them to eat, right? Our pediatrician always say, if Luke wants to eat, he will eat. If he's hungry, he will eat. You, you don't have to force them, right? Um, yeah, so that was another thing. We had switch on the table all the time. Now, something I think you are absolutely right now, I've never paid attention to. It feels like I have to always, whatever I put on my plate, I must finish. Mm -hmm. So I'm always thinking in my head, can I eat this? Can I finish it all before I put it on my plate? You know, versus, you know, just, okay, if I feel like it, I can be done, you know? Yeah, so yeah it, it is, you are absolutely yeah, right. We don't stop eating because we're full. We stop because there's nothing on the, you know, you eat till you see that made in China on that, on that plate. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, you know, the one, more, one thing I was thinking about just now was um, just even the punish, I mean, the disciplines, like the, 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 the purpose of discipline, you know, like I think in my mind, I'm intentional. I discipline because I want to shape this thing or I want her to not do this or I want this to be this. But before I do this, you know, I have, I, I, I map it out in my head as to why and where and what's mm -hmm. happening. But I remember being disciplined just on a whim emotionally you know just because they're upset about something yeah or because i didn't say something the way it was supposed to be said or i didn't do something the way you know it was just a swift slap to the mouth or you yeah. know yeah <laughs> something crazy and you know of course knowing me a lot of people say oh i just i, I just say what comes to mind sometimes you know and maybe sometimes without filters but man that was i mean that's something i always did anyway and i always got so I mean that's something I do not want to pass on. You know, I try to be intentional about what, where, who. Yeah, and what is discipline though? Discipline means to teach, to instruct. Yes. It's not to ridicule, to put down, to make shame, to punish. That's not yes. what discipline is, right? It's to instruct and to teach. And 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 so. And I think that was something that we didn't have then, though. No, you know, they, no. I don't think they had that concept. They just, you know, because I think the the view of what children are in. Um, Liberia or in our society was more so you be seen and not heard. Yes. You follow instructions and you don't necessarily question. Yeah. You know? So it just by questioning me. why, that's yeah. that's grounds for being whipped or something. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Being disrespectful, you're being rude. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And then there are some things that I, I like in my mind too, um, some things I want to cut out. You know, so in my household, growing up, the both so I lived with my, my aunts initially, and then when I came here to my father, I was 11. So all throughout my life, um, I never really, like you said, had any life lessons on how to manage my money. 
you know mm-hmm. um in the first the 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 household with my aunts it was the one that worked did all the money management and did everything else and there were no such things as bill paying in those days i mean they they provided food and what we needed but i mean we had a house that they weren't paying anything on maybe they were paying for electricity but other than that um there wasn't that i didn't get to see somebody you know manage their money in that respect yeah so i didn't know what was happening and in my father's house money was like a taboo you know he he managed a lot of everything else and i mean like you said you ask him anything about money or how how much he made or even till now i mean it's interesting right now he is um he's doing a, he's having a he he started a farm in Liberia and he was telling me the other day about the farm and you know what's going to happen and you know what he plans to make on on the farm but when i look at his children he's an older guy and amongst his children i'm the oldest i'm the only one that was born there the rest of the children were born here um so yeah they might have some interest but i'm you know in terms of like really managing it and going back home i think he's looking to me to follow that up and so when he was talking about the you know the the profit and all that kind of stuff i asked him just a simple question how much do you foresee that you might make you know per year oh don't worry about that so i i had to pause him and say why wouldn't i need to worry about that if you plan to pass this on to me that's information i need to know because he was always he never want to talk about money he never want to teach you about money so it was always a secret and it was only for him and so for me i want to be able to pass that on to my daughter make her comfortable with it make her understand what it is how to manage it yeah and uh no i totally agree you know that's my um that's my thing right there like in my family too i said my mom worked hard she had her 9 to 5 and she always had some side hustle right and mm-hmm. so she was always at home you know from her side business and she was always counting money counting money we had this cement shop and you know the income the the the, the revenue or whatever from that she was always at home counting it so i was like wow we got a lot of money but we never had the conversation about how to manage it where does it go after you count this money you know at that time we had the, what they call it the dual coins and all these coins were just on the bed you know and she was always counting but i never knew where it went after that i never knew uh you know uh what it means to manage money uh you know how much you make you know is good to save to share spend whatever i i never learned any of those things so i made a lot of mistakes you right you come and all of a sudden you have to and we come from a country where not a lot of people got credit right you go to stores they would say credit mom dad no credit here blah 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 but then you come to the states and people are handing you credit cards and you don't even know you like whoa i got all this money you know and so you're not even looking at okay my income versus how much i'm charging on here with all the other obligations that i have am i able to do this am i able to manage this but we're just swiping 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 something you suddenly you go buy stuff that you only wear one time you know and all that kind of stuff and put ourselves in a whole lot of debt so i didn't learn that and definitely one thing i will pass I, i will be teaching my son is about money and i will teach him about it early i will teach him about um i want to be the one to teach him about about sex about sexuality about uh, uh respecting other people's choices i want him to be the one to decide whether he will go to church or not i'm not going to make that decision i don't want to force him i know people will say oh you you know the boy got to go to church you got to you can't do that blah blah i believe in god i believe in but i don't i want him to to we will talk about it we will talk about all kinds of things and i want him to be the one to make the decision on whether he chose to spend the rest of his life going to church or not 
Uh, I want him to, 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 you know, I want to teach him about giving back to people that are less fortunate. You know, I want to teach him that there are people that are less fortunate than we are. We don't have it all, but there are people that are even worse off than us. I want him to appreciate what we do have and to be able to help wherever he can. I want him to respect people regardless of what choices they make in their life, to respect, to love people, whether they're rich or poor, they're black or white. I want him to, you know, I want to teach him how to respect people all kinds of people. Those are some of the things that, that I want to teach him to have a voice, to use his voice, you know, in, in situation to stand up against, uh, injustice. These are some of the things that I want to be really intentional about teaching my son, taking care of himself. Um, I like that. That those are all good things, man. Um, I don't know. And one of the things I, I really have been thinking about is just, you know, um, making my daughter understand that like you said you know all people are equal yeah you know yeah. everybody coming from no matter where you are where you come from you know there is no there is no one superior person over the other there's no one you know we're all human beings with flesh we yeah. all have yeah. blood if you cut us all we bleed mm-hmm. and so to be able to respect that you know um she came home yesterday with a story apparently somebody on the bus misbehaved and um the teacher I guess, I mean, not the teacher, I'm sorry, the bus driver decided to separate everybody and get signed seats. And so when she came back, she was upset. Oh, I didn't like that. I didn't get to sit next to my friend. And do you know, mom, they had me sit next to this one kid. What's wrong with the kid? I mean, what, 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 why are you upset about sitting next to the kid? Well, he had crooked teeth. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's, no. that's your reason? No. That he had crooked teeth? Like, do you think he has control over how his teeth develop? No. I always like to flip the script on that. Would you like somebody to not sit by yeah, you? Yeah, that's what I was asking her too. Because after she went through that, she was like, no. And this, that, I said, so what if somebody came and said, I don't want to sit next to this kid because she's black. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit next to this kid because she's tall. You know, how would you feel? And then she was like, it wouldn't be good, mom. It wouldn't be good. I said, so well, it would be nice to get to know the kid, who he is and, you know, talk to him. Maybe you'll even like him as much as you like your friends. Okay, mom, I'll give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's just interesting. I want to, and I keep wanting to put that into her, you know. And these are things that we have to be intentional about teaching our kids. We can't wait yeah. for them to get in that situation, you know, have something happen. Um, we have to be, you know, a lot of times, especially us as Christians, we talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah. I want to be the Proverbs 31 woman. But if you read Proverbs 31 and see the things that woman did, they're too much. <laughs> And I think oh, a lot of times we don't pay attention to that stuff. And we, we say, oh, you know, the man's supposed to do this. And the man, that woman was in the beginning, in chapter one, she was instructing her, her son on how to be a man. The rising up early. And, yeah. yeah. And the so the feminist like, me, I can always wonder, why is the man just sitting in the city getting with his men talking and, about how... And praising his wife. Why is she doing all the work? Why is she working <laughs> hard and he's just sitting around doing nothing? No. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, there's so much... I mean, we're responsible for... The responsibility is for us. They're huge. We got a lot of things that we're supposed to do. Thank God we want. We got good husbands and good fathers that support the things that we do. We thank God for that. There are great role models for their sons, right? Involved in their lives, you know. But especially for single moms where the parents are not, I mean, the dad is not involved, you know. It's just like, you can do it. It is harder, but you can do it. Everything that you need, you have inside of you to, to, to raise your child. 
I agree, and, I, and I'm also thankful for the community too, you know, mm-hmm. as a single mother. It's not, yes, yeah. I can do it, but I also am also grateful for all the, the support you need. Yeah, the support I've had. Yeah. Just going through school, like we talked about before, it was a hard process, especially when I got down to that last year where it was a full-time job, full-time internship. I had two classes I was still completing, and I had to come home and be a mother. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just many days. Actually, Abigail can tell people I was I would just break down crying for no reason because I couldn't. It was too overwhelming at certain times. And but I was, I'm just so grateful for the team of people I had around me during that time where yeah. there was so many days I didn't even know. Like I, I would get up, drop her off at school, and my one friend would pick her up from from school. Another person would take her to the church where I would be able to meet her there because it's closer to me. I mean, it was just we were just very helpful. My team. Yeah. And it's always good to look back, you know, when you, if, you know, you would, you would face challenges again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was reading something today that said that if you want to know what you're capable of doing, look back at some of the things you've already accomplished. I read that thing and I made a list of everything that I have accomplished, whether it was small, whether it was big, like getting my degrees or, 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 or something as something that people don't think about. I've been married. Uh, 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 eight years this year. That is an accomplishment. That's huge. Yes, and and and, and, and uh, a year. right. Or, or putting out uh, or publishing a book or giving birth to a child, carrying a child, giving birth to a child. Those are accomplishments. Those are things that were hard to do and that we did. Right. You make a list of that stuff every time you you, you face another challenge with fear or doubt, self doubt. Can I do this? You go back to that list and say, look at what all these things that I did an immigrant coming to this country with one suitcase that people can see right and and all the things that you've done and accomplished working you know you you teaching your child you know the other day i look at luke he was reading and i said oh look i used to ask him every time i asked him, i said who taught you how to read he said oh it's just in my brain mm-hmm. but the other day he changed that story and said you taught me mama you forgot you taught me and i was like oh. i sure did you know <laughs> but, but can you imagine those yes. are things that we can do. So if you set out to do something as a woman, you and somebody say, oh, or, or you're telling yourself, Dougie, I don't think I can do that. Please, whatever you put your mind to and you persistently do, you can do it. You can do it. So, yeah. Okay. I think it is time to wrap up. Um, Guys, for joining us, as we have... Um, just talked a little bit about motherhood we are looking forward to next week's our next two weeks episode it will be a very great one but for now we say thank you for joining us thank you for listening we would like to hear your feedback share the podcast if there's anything that we may have touched on that you want to hear a little bit more about please 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 let us know if there's anything that we um that you think maybe we we left out and you want us to kind of talk a little bit about let us know. We want to hear every feedback. And if Good you want, feedback. yeah. And if you want us to share your comments on the next show, let us know. We'll be happy to do that and address some of your questions uh, on the next show. Show before we start. Um, if you're looking for us on social media, mm-hmm. follow on Instagram. I am at Call Me Teacher Mom. At Call Me Teacher Mom. Wade is at underscore. No, no, no. At therapist underscore wadi w-a-d-d-i-e at on uh what what did you say you're messing it up at 
therapist underscore Wadi. W-A-D-D-I-E is how I spell my name. And, and I will Facebook. be... Yeah, go ahead. On Facebook, I am Wadi, W-A-D-D-I-E, last name K-O-L-E-N-K-Y. And I am just Sammy Fredericks on Facebook. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to chatting with you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.